Welcome to Cannons on the Run, episode 41. A podcast out of St. Norbert Abbey. I'm Father Jordan. And I'm Father Jonathan. And we are here to continue our conversation about St. Pope John the 23rd's daily decalogue. You've gotten very good at that over the process of this decalogue. Nice work. Very efficient. I, I had to think. <laughs> good Pope, prep. Pope, Saint, Saint Pope. No. <laughs> <laughs> but before we do that, like always, we got to catch you up on what we've been up to. Do you want to start this time? Um, yeah, doing priestly things and stuff. So the <laughs> month of July, uh, I get to spend a lot more time in the community and be here at the Abbey and serve the local church of the Diocese of Green Bay. Um, so it's been fun experience uh, celebrating masses, uh, getting a grand tour. Had a mass for the counselors at Camp Tikawitha summer camp through the the diocese of Green Bay uh, for youth. Um, the kids left, so it was just the staff left. So it was a little bit calmer than I imagined <laughs> than what I was anticipating. Um, also got to celebrate mass at one of our parishes, Holy Cross Parish in Bay Settlement, on Saturday and. Then Old St. Joe's at St. Norbert College campus on Sunday. And then uh, we're recording, but this coming weekend, I'll be celebrating Masses at Our Lady of Lourdes. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's been uh, a lot of Masses. That's great. Way yeah. to get your, just get right in, dive right in, helping out. Dive right in. Like you said, getting the grand tour, seeing all the parishes, Norbertine and more beyond that. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so, so that's been fun. And then... Um, i just been working on a side project because working on thank you cards and then to kind of break up all the thank yous from the ordination, got uh, to do side projects. So I'm chaplain for the Troops of St. George here in Green Bay, Troop 1313, and I thought I needed an um, outdoor mask kit. So I went to the hardware store and got supplies, got some help from our maintenance crew here at the Abbey of just different ideas kicking around and built a mask kit box based off of the military's ammo box, but needed it specified for dimensions for a chalice and things like that. Um, so that was a really exciting experience, just working with my hands and reflecting on, um, I guess, that creative nature of sharing in creation and maybe, you know, praying to St. Joseph, the patron of workers, and who is a carpenter himself. And so just immersing into that uh, was an incredible experience. And then <laughs> uh, even t- talking to my dad on the phone, he saw a picture and he goes, wait, you built that? I didn't know you could do that. And I'm like, hey, I took industrial arts in high school. I know a thing or two about woodworking. Yeah, I was so impressed with that. I didn't see the final product, but I mean, seeing you working or you talking about it, I was like, that's really impressive. That's great. Yeah, so just spreading my wings. That's so cool. And for our listeners who don't know, what are the Troops of St. George, Father Jordan? I guess the best kind of basic explanation for it would be Catholic Boy Scouts and looking at um, forming relationships between father and sons. So fathers have to be involved um, with their sons. And it's this whole idea of bridging the outdoors with family or that manly relationship and learning to grow in virtue and fraternity and honor and growing in faith. Nice explanation. That's really great. I did not know about them myself until you started doing this, so it's a cool thing. Me neither. I kind of had a vague idea about it, but, yeah, it didn't. It's, it's neat growing into that. Nice. Yeah. Cool. So what have you been up to? Uh, 
Um, I got to see a lot of family over the this past weekend. I had a, a cousin who got married, so I got to see extended family at a wedding, which was wonderful. Um, that was it was happening in Madison though during the power outage crisis with all the extreme heat that came through the Midwest. Um, so. Uh, when we were there, the morning of the wedding, they had to change so many things. They had to change where the wedding actually was held because there was no power where the original church was. Um, so the wedding ended up being in the new University of Madison, um, the University of Wisconsin-Madison's Catholic Church, St. Paul's Church. That's um, down on, by, near State Street. So I got to be in there for the first time, which is beautiful. So that was great. So the wedding was lovely there. The power came back, so they were able to have the reception at the original place, so that was great. Otherwise, that was going to be a lot more chaos. So kind of a chaotic day, but the, my cousin, the groom, and his wife, the bride, were wonderfully just calm and joyful throughout the day and just rolled with the punches, so that was a really fun day. And I danced it up. I love to dance. Wedding dance floors are, like, my favorite thing. <laughs> so I was tearing up the dance floor in my habit. It was hilarious. It was Break dancing. Time. Oh, my gosh. That would be really tough, and I'd make my habit super dirty, but... Eventually, I'll work on my breakdancing skills. <laughs> be incredible. <laughs> and then that same weekend, actually, I had a little extended family gathering. So my dad and all of his siblings and then their cousins, they have an annual get-together. So we all got together and just nice to catch up with extended family that way. And then I'm finishing up my independent pastoral counseling class, my independent study pastoral counseling class that I've been doing this summer. We had our last class meeting just this week finishing a paper and then that will be completed which is exciting so a good balance of work and play celebrating feasts good things beautiful things sacraments in the church and just being with family that's wonderful yeah and so here we are on number nine of the decalogue we are getting near the end it's been a long journey yeah it has speaking of long journeys this one is not an easy one to digest so we're going to read it and then we're going to break it down Number nine reads, Only for today, I will firmly believe, despite appearances, that the good providence of God cares for me as no one else who exists in this world. So if you're like us, there's like multiple parts that stick out in that. So how we're going to break it down is to take each phrase basically in order. So the first part. You just love breaking it down. (laughs) Consistency, consistency. (laughs) Only for today, I will firmly believe. So that first part starts off by... I think addressing the heart over the head. It's easy for us to think about faith, to think about God, to think about what we know in our faith life. But I will firmly believe, while it can be a thought or you're choosing what to believe, I think that this is a way of that one setting up. We're going to talk about the heart, the love of the heart. I will firmly believe. I will feel it in my being. And part of the way we talked about that was understanding the Trinitarian nature of God. So we can easily think about the Trinitarian nature of God. There's all sorts of books, our studies that we've had to do. You know, you can talk about different ways to articulate that. We say it in the creed. There are ways to think of how we understand or try to begin to understand the mystery of the Trinitarian nature of God. But in this case, we need to understand what is felt in that relationship, what love is felt in that relationship. Right. I think think what you're trying to articulate, Jonathan, is we can think about the Trinity as a, as a concept, right? As you mentioned, Aquinas uh, tries to break down the Trinity. And what St. John the 23rd, uh, we feel, is trying to do with this is not think about the Trinity, but ex- enter into the experience of the Trinity, mm. right? So, so 
you know, we give we give names to the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they live in this in, in this perfect unity, but they live in a relationship with each other, a, a perfect relationship with each other. And it's one thing to state that and think about that. It's quite another thing to enter into that because Absolutely. that makes us we have to trust it makes us vulnerable and um love love is um really really hard mm-hmm. absolutely so to enter into the relational component of god yeah that's a great way to summarize it but because god is that relationship we're called to share in that as well a relationship with god in a relationship uh, with our fellow human beings right mm-hmm. that what we experience with God kind of flows into what God desires us to experience with one another. Beautiful. Yeah. So I, it continues, I will firmly believe that the good providence of God cares for me. So that phrase is an easy one. I got stuck on it a little bit. Providence of God. This word providence is coming from roots that are talking about seeing, looking ahead. So God is looking ahead, caring for us. God is loving us. This idea, again, that we're hearing love in number nine. So the providence of God cares for me. God loves me. God cares for me. And so this got me reflecting on how do I experience love in my life? For me, asking that question, I thought about how shortly after I'd graduated from college, while I was teaching, um, I had a gradual learning in my life, some through dialogue with others some in spiritual direction, but basically slowly becoming aware that for as long as I could remember, I wasn't really receiving people's love. So if someone said, you know, all right, talk to you later, I love you, or I love you, or even like a more sincere, like you're just, you're, you know, like I see this good thing in you and I just love you, I ho- you know, I just hope such good things for you. I would smile and think that I was accepting it and say like, thanks, that, that means so much. Reflecting on that, I realized I was actually feeling good or like loving that moment because when that person said that to me, they seemed happy. They seemed happy, so I was happy that they were happy saying that they loved me. Isn't that strange? And like, it's it's kind of like doubled? oh, I'm I'm glad I could provide a service for them to offer their like to make them feel fulfilled. Of no, not so much me providing a service. It was like honestly just avoiding me accepting love. Like I just didn't realize it. It was like. I felt happy seeing that they felt good. And when I started to realize I was doing this was realizing accepting that person's love meant I had to be okay with believing that I'm worthy of being loved. Mm-hmm. And that, when I learned that, finally, that was what broke me to realize, like, I've not let myself think that I'm worthy of being loved. For mm-hmm. years of my life, I was thinking that. Not actively, but that was something that I was feeling. So accepting love means that I have to get to a point of realizing and believing I'm worthy of love. I'm worthy of being loved. And so that was when I started to learn that when a person says, I love you, just to be okay with saying, either just accepting it, not saying anything, or saying, thanks, you know, that means a lot. You know, not to think that it has to be this, I don't know, other thing, just to accept that love. And that's hard. If I don't, you know, that's like you said before, love is hard. Like just accepting people's love when we have our walls that we're used to resisting things is mm-hmm. where that can get overwhelming. Well, and, you know, you can look joyful or it can appear that you're like accepting this person's love in that moment. But in, in a sense, the relationship is kind of broken. Sure. That's hard to say, but 
the appearance was that the relationship was in a full communion, mm-hmm. like the Trinity would be in full communion, is how it would appear. But deep down, there was kind of that resistance because because of something internally of just the capacity to accept love or to recognize that I am worthy of love. And so those appearances, like John the 23rd says, despite appearances, you know, this idea of how, you know, we can't, in God's eyes, he knows us through and through, Mm -hmm. like knows us better than we know ourselves. It's hard to put up a false perception. So in our individual lives, we don't always necessarily feel God's love, but God never stops loving us. So there's almost that break because, because of us, mm-hmm. of, of not recognizing that worthiness. And I can recall, you know, being a novice in Norbertine life and just wrestling with what novitiate and everything brings with it and wondering if this was the right thing to do. On the outside, we wear a habit uh, we go to prayer, go to mass. Like it can look like we're pretty well, or like I'm pretty well put together. But there's so much internally going on. It's like, am I where I'm supposed to be? Is this who God's calling me to be? Is God, like, am I loving what I'm doing? Is God, is love being communicated? And I can just remember struggling, and just this wave of peace coming over me in prayer, and just being, and just telling me. Jordan, like, you are, this is who I destined you to be. This is where I made you to be. Like, trust me. Accept my love, right? That's beautiful. And so, and so with that, you know, there's always, again, the appearances all put together, but there's always that recognition of the need for God's love. And I think that's what St. Paul articulate so well. Absolutely. That's one of my favorite verses in his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 8 through 10, the NABRE translation reads, three times I begged the Lord about this, that it might leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. I will rather boast most gladly of my weaknesses in order that the power of Christ may dwell with me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and constraints for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I think, as you said, this is such a good depiction of this phrase, this, this part of number nine, despite appearances. Initially, to me, that's confusing to read, that despite appearances. Well, what appearances? Well, it's easy to say... I am loved when everything's going well. Like, God's taking care of my life. Things are going really well. This is good. God loves me. But to say I firmly believe that God's loving me despite appearances when things go wrong. So in here, Paul, St. Paul writing about things are going poorly. And God, I just need you to take this away. I've always appreciated that honesty of like, God, please just take this away. I can't deal with this. That's to me, is the despite appearance moment. Like, things aren't going well. Are you sure you love me? Because this thing would be great to not have right now. And yet, here's God's loving response of just, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. It's profound love. Which connects beautifully to that last phrase, this profound love that God has for us to even try to understand that, for us to even try to understand God's love is always going to fall short of how profound and infinite and immense God's love is for us. So that last phrase 
as no one else who exists in this world, that God loves us as no one else who exists in this world. God's love is a love which, as you were articulating, just can't be fully understood in the here and now um, just because of our fragility, perhaps. But you can experience those slivers of what that love is and that truth. And the best examples I always find are in families, right? Even our language for God, we understand uh, God as creator or in Old Testament, God is spoken of as as a mother nursing a child. Um, The familial units uh, are great examples or come the closest I feel to God's love and how that love and how His love uh, is poured out upon us. Right, because God's—I mean—the the parental idea of God helps us understand parents love their children deeply, and so we can at least begin to imagine how much a parent loves a child. If God is depicted as a parent, that's profound love, and yet it's so much beyond that, so much more than that. And how can you not love your own creation? Um, that's flesh of your flesh and bone of your bone. Uh, this is this is a part of you, like the DNA and everything like that. And that emotional bond, I think, creeps creeps in because God created us. Like He's in our DNA. Um, mm-hmm. We're made in the image and likeness of God. Absolutely. So that love Everyone. is poured, poured out to us. Mm-hmm. And, of course, in a family unit, I can't help but marvel in just my experiences of working in different contexts within parish life or diocesan events, encountering uh, young married couples who just amaze me in their recognition of love for one another. Um, because the culture... I, I believe, tells us that, you know, love is between two people. And that's not necessarily true if you take a a faith-based perspective of the couples who recognize that God is in their relationship. There's just this joy and deep love for each other that just erupts, um, explodes in their relationship and how they interact with the world because they recognize that this love isn't about me, but it's about how can we share in God's love in, in you know, building up almost that Trinitarian nature of helping each other grow in holiness and grow towards God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from what I'm hearing you say, it's this understanding that they know they have a profound love for each other. They trust in that. And because they know that God is actively a part of that relationship, that marriage, an important critical part of that, if they can love each other that much, how much more God must love them. Mm-hmm. And beginning to find that, I love that you talked about that, that allows their love really to just ooze out to everyone else around them. A really profound understanding of such deep love. Yeah. You recognize that they have something, and you're like, man, I wish I want to be a part of that, or I wish, what do you have? Mm-hmm. So that's our best attempt at looking at these phrases and parts there. So again, just to read it one time altogether, the whole idea is only for today, I will firmly believe despite appearances that the good providence of God cares for me as no one else who exists in this world. And what it really boils down to is understanding 
that we need to firmly believe that God loves us and just to receive that love. There's lots of other things we can talk about of trying to understand what that looks like with God and trying to understand how to love God ourselves, but this one's just a reminder for us to firmly believe despite hardships or what's going on in life. God loves us deeply. Yeah, and I think what's important to recognize is what you started out with, Rod or Jonathan, of just what we found so hard about this is it can be so much of a mind game or something intellectually perceived and and grappling with. And again, like this is about a feeling. It's about the heart and entering in, making oneself vulnerable and entering into that love of God. Amen. If you want to learn more about Cannons on the Run, go to www.norbertines.org. Click on the podcast tab. You can contact us by clicking on Contact the Podcast Team. You can also find us on iTunes. Make sure to, to leave a rating and review. You can also like us on Facebook. So remember, amidst thinking about faith and being in our heads about how we can pray better, or how we can think about loving others and loving God, take some time today also to just feel God's love, to know how deeply you are loved by God, that God can love you as no one else who exists in this world. Saints Norbert, Augustine, and John the 23rd, pray, pray for, for us. us.